Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wally Media Podcast. I am your host, Riley, your favorite host. I'm always talking about wanting to be a morning radio host, which I do. It's my ultimate dream. One thing morning radio hosts do is they will help people on their morning drive with their news because people are always on the move in the morning, don't have time to read the newspaper or read Twitter or whatever, however you get your news nowadays. So what morning radio hosts do around the world is they talk about news stories that happened that are relevant and worth talking about. And then the radio hosts give their own personal opinions on whatever that story is. And that's what I think makes a morning radio show unique to compare to like an afternoon show or an evening show is it's your morning drive. People are just waking up. They need some soft sort of voice to help them get through their drive, the traffic, the hectic mornings, the morning giffy. So what I did today is I grabbed a few articles and I'm going to try something different here on the show. I'm going to do what I'm going to call the news dump. I'm going to grab three, two, three articles that I find relevant and worth talking about. And I'm going to react to them however I react to them. I'll I'll read them, I'll cite whoever it's from, and then we'll talk about it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. This first news piece isn't an article, but I was surfing Twitter and I realized that the date is, or was two days ago, March 28th. 328 and that is the unclaimed um, unwritten holiday of the Patriots 28 to 3 comeback in Super Bowl 51 against the Atlanta Falcons in Houston now this sparked by me looking at Tom Brady's Instagram story where he said happy 328 and just showed a picture of them celebrating Super Bowl or whatever And of course, it gets shared over a million platforms because whatever Tom touches turns to gold. But so what I did was I'm going to make it my new tradition to watch the game or just watch a condensed version of the game every March 28th. So that's exactly what I did. I found a 21 minute uh, extended highlight video of highlights of the game and just kind of relived it for the day. And going back and watching this game, I realized what went wrong with the Falcons. And it's it's pretty simple. They simply got too comfortable. You saw them on the sidelines. They're, you know, pumping fists. They're celebrating. They're dancing. They're talking all cocky. You got Robert Alford, who just got that interception touchdown and walked into the end zone from the the 10-yard line and... Julio's making catches, Devontae Freeman's making big runs, and everybody's happy, we're making friends, la 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 la. Let's go win the Super Bowl now, let's cruise to the end. That is exactly where Atlanta went wrong. They made themselves vulnerable, and when you go up against a team like the New England Patriots, led by the greatest quarterback of all time, in a huge game such as the Super Bowl, You will be exposed. And that is exactly what happened to Atlanta. And I do not feel sorry for them whatsoever. So let's relive this game a little bit. I just have brief highlights from the game. 
uh, let's let's talk about what happened in the game. Did you know that the first quarter was scoreless? Nobody scored in the first quarter. I think teams barely got past the 50. And there, there ended up being 62 points scored in the game. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Now, my MVP of this game was James White. Obviously, it is Tom Brady. But James White is so scrappy and he moves like a little mouse on the field. He scored three touchdowns. He had a two-point conversion. And he was just all over the field, whether it was running the ball or passing the ball. So... Let's go to the point where it's 28 to three. Patriots drive down the ball, drive drive the ball down the field. James White makes it a 28 to nine game and they miss the extra point. So it's 28 to nine. New England had a couple sacks, the possession after, and this caused a gravitational shift in momentum. The Patriots started sending a little bit more pressure and I think it shifted things their way. Next drive, Tom Brady goes down, they score a field goal, scores 28 to 12. Next possession, Matt Ryan drops back to pass, Patriots bring a lot of pressure, Dante Hightower, fumble sack, Patriots ball. Patriots in Atlanta territory go down and they, and. Tom throws a touchdown to Danny Amendola, who's another very scrappy player for for the Patriots at that time. Two-point conversion is good on that one. There's six minutes left at this point. The score is 28 to 20. And the Falcons are just so confused. Dan Quinn just looks like a deer in the headlights on the sideline over there. Atlanta can't do anything. The next drive though, Atlanta does drive down the field. And they get to about the 30. And this was triggered by a very long run by Devontae Freeman. There was a holding call called on one of the Falcons players. And it pushed Atlanta out of field goal range. I remember at this point watching the game with my brothers. We were saying, this is going to work for us. This is going to be the the turning point in this game. We're going to win this game. So Atlanta punts. So New England is starting their drive at their own five. They convert on third down within the 10, and they move down the field a little bit, and this was the drive when Robert Alford missed the interception, tipped it up in the air. Julian Edelman, somehow, I have no idea how he made this catch. He even tips it two inches above the ground. He makes the crazy, greatest Super Bowl catch of all time around the Atlanta 40. After a lot of reviews and everything, they say it's good, blah, blah, blah. We're good to go. Two minutes left in the game. Drive down a little bit more, and the score is 28 to 28. A touchdown has been scored by James White on a run, and the two-point conversion to Amendola is good. Off the quick screen pass, and then you got three blockers blocking for you, and then uh, Danny just you know plugs his way into the end zone. So, score's 28 to 28, and I don't know if anybody remembers this part, the Patriots uh, intercepted, intercepted the ball with like five seconds to go, and they tried a fumble ruski at the end of regulation, and Deion Lewis had the ball. He probably gained about 30 yards until just going out of bounds, and, you know, screw it. Why not Why not try that? They, what if they scored on that play, and there wasn't even an overtime? That would have been even more insane, to be honest. Just 
clock ticking down to zero touchdown. That would have been insane. So we're in overtime now. Coin toss, big part of the overtime. Matthew Slater calls for heads. Of course, Patriots win the toss. And at this point in the game, you knew it was over because we had number 12 standing behind our center. Patriots move down the floor, the floor, the, <laughs> the field methodically as they do. They try a couple fades to Martellus Bennett in which one of those almost gets intercepted by Vic Beasley. So they said, screw it, let's just toss the ball to James White, see what he can do from the two yard line. He pushes his way in after review, it's called a score. Game's, game is over, 34-28. Me and my brothers are going crazy. Our family's going crazy. Uh, this was the famous call where, where Joe Buck goes, Patriots win the Super Bowl! So, happy 28-3 to all my Patriots fans. Or happy 3-28 to all the Patriots fans out there. I know I have a lot of Cowboys fans listening. And I'm sorry if I was born in Dallas, I would be a Cowboys fan, but... Fortunately, I was dealt a solid hand, and I was born in Nashua, New Hampshire, and was graced with the greatest holiday in front of Christmas, March 28th. Our next news story comes from an event that happened on The Tonight Show, hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon had on TikTok star... Addison Ray. at some point, don't know when, but she was on the show. And Addison Ray, she's, uh, I think she's like a freshman in college. She is super famous on TikTok. She has like 79 million followers. And I guess it's because she got in early with the TikTok um, trend and just kind of one of her videos popped off. I don't know. I don't have TikTok. I don't care. But I felt this was relevant because I, I love Jimmy Fallon and this was an interesting story. So Addison Ray goes on to Jimmy Fallon and she talks about her new debut single. It's called Obsessed. I think it's a song. I'm not going to listen to it because I don't care. But at the end of their little interview... They do a little bit where they have Addison go to the main floor where they do all their fun stuff on The Tonight Show. And Jimmy stands behind her with giant cue cards, as he'll do often in a, in a lot of the bits that they do on The Tonight Show. And the bit is Addison is going to dance to eight different TikTok trends, like eight different dances. And Jimmy's going to stand behind her, cueing her the songs or the dances that those originate from. And I, I watched this video. It was about three, three and a half minutes. And I'll tell you, they did about 10 seconds per little dance. And every TikTok dance is the same. It's a whole lot of elbow action and a whole lot of hip action. And I could definitely see how she got popular because she's got a little booty back there and I hope she's 18 so I don't get sued for saying all this. Anyways. So controversy, controversy came from 
this little bit that they did when Jimmy and Addison both received backlash because neither gave credit to the creators of each dance. And the creators of all the dance were black. So it turned into a little bit of a race thing. There are a couple tweets that surfaced that made this article by Christy Karras in the LA Times. A couple of the tweets highlighted, quote, stealing from black entertainers and having white creators regurgitate it to the masses is American History 101. Another tweet says, I think black creators should just stop creating content for like a good six months and just observe what these people come up with. <laughs> I actually think that's a pretty good idea. And another tweet I saw, uh, millennials, clearly a millennial, this tweet, it starts with, I just dot, dot, dot. Why is average white girl successful for stealing content and dances from other people? That was a, that was a tweet. Um, I get it. You should definitely give credit where it's due. And I can definitely see The Tonight Show and Addison coming out and apologizing and giving credit for all of this. I don't think that was their intent in the first place, obviously. All that happened was they just invited this this young lady on The Tonight Show and they just had some fun. I think that's all it was. I don't think there was any, any intent towards stealing anything while doing it, but it is what it is. People are going to get mad about everything. So what did I get from all this? TikTok is stupid and will always be stupid. I do not have the app and there is plenty of good reasons as to why. But I do peek on my girlfriend's phone when she's watching cute dog stuff or, you know, food videos or milking videos or whatever. Every dance is the same from the TikTok, the dancing videos. Every TikTok dance is the same. But like I said, it's a lot of elbow and hip action. Other terrible TikToks that you'll see uh, cornball muffin top 17 year old boys who think they're just the greatest thing to grace God's green earth and the the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life on TikTok is the stupid seductive smiles that these young boys do and, he, and girls do it too on there and it is intolerable. My least favorite type of TikTok though is the voiceover DIY. Every video has the same monotone voice and cadence and there's usually a cheesy smile like I said at the beginning to seduce the 11 year old boys who spend too much time in their bathroom. So here's an example of what these sound like. I'm gonna show you this DIY project I've been working on for the past 30 seconds. I call it the birds and the bees. I started with a banana, which I bought from Whole Foods, which is irrelevant. I just wanted to tell you that I shopped at an expensive grocery store. I then bought an old fashioned donut at a quick trip. I hurried up because I felt unsafe because a 17 year old smiling TikTok boy wasn't there to protect me and people of opposite races were there. I drove home to my 2018 Mercedes, which I did zero work for, yet I complained to my daddy all the time because the cup holder is too small for my morning coffee. I unpeeled the banana and slipped it inside the tight ass donut and then realized I'll be a virgin for life. Our next story comes from complex.com. This is an article by Brenton Blanchett, March 30th. Video shows physical altercation between Quavo and Saweetie in elevator. Now I was triggered by this, not emotionally, but just like it popped up on my radar when a friend sent it to me on Instagram. He showed me the video. It's about a minute and a half video of Quavo and Saweetie kind of wrestling their way into an elevator, probably just got out of a fight, and Saweetie 
maybe wasn't having something and Quavo didn't like it and, you know, relationship stuff happened. And so the short, it says in the article here, the short video, which is embedded below, I'll post it on my Instagram so you guys can see it. It's at Wally Media. Appears to start with Sweetie swinging at Quavo at an apartment complex in North Hollywood as they struggle for an orange Call of Duty case. As Quavo knocks her to the floor in an effort to get the case, Quavo stands with the case, not helping his then-partner as she's lying on the floor, although he looks down at her several times. The doors open to reveal someone standing outside of the elevator, but that person doesn't enter. At the end, Quavo places the case on the floor to stop the doors from closing and waits until Sweetie picks herself up and exits. Now, like I said, I will send the video to my Instagram. I'll share it. You can go look at it there. But this was in 2020, this video. And since then, they have broken up just recently. And there was another video that I watched the other day post-breakup where Saweetie was talking about how a guy should spoil the girl and that the guy shouldn't be spoiled or it was something like that. And she was kind of being a little bratty and kind of sounded like a spoiled brat. And I say all this and I bring it up and I think it's relevant because one, I love Quavo. I love Migos and I'm, I'm Migo gang for life. And two, I named my dog after Saweetie. Let that sink in. And don't get me wrong. I do like Saweetie's music. I think she's a good rapper. She's talented. But I don't like like pettiness. That's what really triggers me. I don't like someone who thinks everything should be handed to them. Whenever I see somebody who thinks that the world should just be handed them on a silver platter, I always say to myself or whoever's standing to me nearest in the room that that person should go on Survivor. Let them gain some real perspective about what we got going on here in the States and outside of the States and on islands. And let's see how you act when you are low on water and food and technology and just all this stuff. Now, if I were going to go on Survivor, I would have a great time because I could just stare at Jeff Probst all the time. But this isn't about me. So it's kind of upsetting because... Quavo and Saweetie were a great couple, I felt like. like Their public persona, they they looked like they were a solid, solid couple, but it looks like behind the scenes that they probably got in a lot of fights. Um, there were some tweets recently. I'll read another quote from this article. Earlier this month, Saweetie revealed she and the Migos rapper split, tweeting that she endured too much betrayal and hurt behind the scenes for a false narrative to be circulating that degrades my character. Quavo responded saying, I had love for you and disappointed you did all that. You are not the woman I thought you were. So there was stuff going behind the scenes that is none of our business, but it seemed like this was pretty toxic. Now, I don't know anything about their relationship, but I do know something about a toxic relationship. And it seems like it was good for the both of them to get out of it. The public spotlight was probably getting to them and maybe some other things happened. But to get back to this video, Quavo did not seem very happy with her. And I'm not going to take sides here, but 
Quavo seems like a guy that I don't want to mess with because you do see the side of him that's very sympathetic and caring. Like he did that song with Justin Bieber and did the music video where he went to those uh, to a neighborhood and he spread some goodness with Justin. Like Quavo is a good guy. And I know Sweetie's a good person as well. But Quavo has done some stuff in the past. Let's not forget, he's from the Nuff. He's he's done some things, he's seen some things, and he's just not a guy that I want to mess with because there's probably a dark side of him that nobody else wants to see as well. So, moral of the story here, don't name your dog after a rapper. <laughs> but that's our news dump for the day. I wanted to keep it short and sweet and just a quick hit. Hopefully you're listening to this you know, while you're driving, hopefully it makes it a little better. But stay tuned to the podcast as we will have a gym etiquette and pet peeve talk podcast segment where I will get some fan feedback, 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 and I will also put my own input into it. And that will be a lot of fun because I have a lot to say on this topic. So stay tuned to the podcast. I'll catch you next time.